Good morning, One Chapel family. So great to be with you today. Today is Valentine's Day, and people are celebrating all over the place. It's pretty widely known in our culture as a day of love or a day of misery. And that's because um, everyone is either talking about what they're going to do on Valentine's Day or they're talking about how much they hate it because they don't have anyone to spend it with. And I really do understand. I mean, I'm sympathetic to that. It's crazy what people do for Valentine's Day. Did you know in 2020, I looked it up this week, and it was an all-time high that was spent in 2020 on Valentine's Day. I mean, the economy was roaring. $27.4 billion is what people spent on Valentine's Day. Crazy. The, the individual celebrating the holiday spent an average of $196. I'm like, who are these people? Like, I'm, I'm not against Valentine's Day or anything, but man, that just seems crazy. This day of love that we're talking about. You know, I have a, I have a confession to make right up front here. I was recently, I was just, just looking for a, a way to... Uh, spend a little time with my daughter who's was away at college and then m- with my wife and they both convinced me, forced me really, t- tied me down, I think really at one point and made me watch this season of The Bachelor. I know, I know. Got to surrender my man card, I don't know. Did you know there's 25 different seasons of The Bachelor? Did you know that, I mean, there's just all these spinoffs. This is a crazy franchise program. And so they, they got me into watching it. And then I, I kind of sadly got hooked. I mean, Matt is a good looking man and he's got really chiseled abs. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, it's, it's shocking though to me, all these women, I mean, the backstabbing that goes on, the screaming, the yelling, the crying. Oh my gosh, the crying. People, they're crying so every episode is drama. And of course, they, they made me watch the most shocking rose ceremony of all time. All in the name of love. I'm convinced this program is anything but love. This is not love that they're displaying on this show. You know, the Beatles, they sang all you need is love. Those of you who are from the dark ages, you might remember Burt Bacharach, and he's he's saying what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Songs, poetry, books, almost all classic literature, Entire genre of movies, the romantic comedy, the rom-com, is devoted to the idea of love. But today I want to go beyond this notion of romance. I want to go beyond sweethearts and passion. And I want to talk about the Christian concept of love. We've been in this series called Notably Different. And... Today, I want to talk about why my love is notably different. And I want to talk about the centrality of love as a group of people. You know, 2020 was really challenging, and it was notably different than any other year in modern memory. And 
2021 can be notably different as well, but it will be different because we choose. Not because something was forced on us like 2020, but in this year we've been talking about how we can become the people who are notably different. The people who follow Jesus in a way that is notably different than what's going on around us in the world. And so we've covered several different uh, areas. We've covered uh, identity and purpose and relationships and habits and money. And, and, and you're going to see over the next few weeks, we're going to keep covering different areas. But on this day of love, I have really felt as though I have a conviction that is coming up in my heart as I've been thinking about love. It's really something that I think we tend to sort of bypass as Christians sometimes. We, we treat it as a given very often. You know, because we'll talk about marriage or, or we'll talk about our neighbors or we'll talk about how God loves us. But I, I feel like sometimes we're on our way to another subject when we talk about this kind of thing. We, we just kind of pass it by. We mention it for sure, but we rarely focus on it. We declare what this, we, we, we declare our love, but then we don't explain it or unpack it. Love is consistently expected from each of us. But I wonder if it's not very often modeled well. And so this conviction has kind of come up in my heart over the last few months as I've been thinking about love and I want to suggest to you today that love is not just the context of our faith. It's not just the subtext of the message of the Bible. I want to suggest to you it's the entire text of everything we believe about God, about Jesus, his son, and about the work of the Holy Spirit in a person's life. Indeed, it is the central idea about who we are, about how we are becoming and why we are God's people. Once you start digging in and you start noticing something about love, when you begin to really boil down what the good news is, you realize it's not really faith or forgiveness or healing or provision or even hope. It's actually love. You know, February is Black History Month and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. spoke eloquently and compellingly about equality, about freedom, about social justice, courage, family, friendships, about forgiveness, but his most powerful messages of all were about love. He said, I have decided to stick with love. Hate is just too great a burden to bear. He also said, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Dr. King believed in a supernatural phenomenon, a supernatural power of love that would come into people's lives. It was much more than a feeling or an emotion. Today I want to talk to you about this kind of love, the supernatural kind. 
And as a Christian, I want you to think about the fact that my love is notably different because it reflects the love of God. You know, Jesus himself, he summed it up this way when he said, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is the epitome of the gospel message. This is the central story of Jesus, this description. Here's one of the most love-centric passages of all time in the scripture. I wanna read it together. It's 1 John 4, 7 through 12. It says, dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. I just wanna stop right here and help you understand. He's saying that love is this thing that comes from God. It's how we know what it is. Everyone who loves has been born of God. Now, when they when say that, what does it mean? Everyone who loves, everyone who loves who? Everyone who loves people has been born of God and knows God. If you, if you know how to love, then you know you've, you've met God. Whoever does not love, he says, whoever does not love who? Whoever does not love people does not know God because God is Love, listen, God doesn't dispense love. He doesn't offer, he doesn't give it away. He is love. This is what defines him. And so if you continue on, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is the gospel in a nutshell. This is love, verse 10 says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, here's one of my most favorite passages of all time in the Bible. It's verse 12, it says, no one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. I want you to think about how this is a profound statement about how God is revealed. No one's ever seen God, but the way he's revealed is when we love one another. His love suddenly, it shows up in our lives. It is this thing that creates a picture of God. His love is made complete in us. And I think it's such a profound, important idea. Sometimes we, we just bypass it. I want us to really unpack today what love looks like. John 13, 34 and 35 says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Love proves that we're his disciples, love is actually the proof that the, the world, to the world, that we are who we say we are. And it doesn't say loving sinners is how people know who we are. It doesn't say that when we love the poor or those who are in need, even though we should, we, we should all love the poor and those in need. We should help and we should assist and we should have compassion. 
This translation here, the New Living Translation says, this will prove when you love each other, this will prove to the world who you really are. I must confess to you, I don't think we've been doing a great job of that. Throughout 2020, through the political campaign season, I, I was disappointed so many times when I would see how Christians were treating each other. Right out in the open. Right out online. I think as Christians, we all know that we should love and take care of our neighbors or the people around us who are in need but loving our brother and our sister according to Jesus this is the thing that matters it makes a huge difference it makes an impact in the world it's the hardest thing for us very often when we're trying to win people to Jesus you know we try to love them try to take care of them when we're trying to trying to make sure that people might be introduced to Jesus, we kind of put on our best. But I think the struggle is so often we mistreat our family. You know, it happens in my family. I've got five kids and, and very often my kids will mistreat each other like I, I don't know where they get this stuff. It just comes from, it comes out of them as they're mean to each other or they're yelling at each other or they're hurting each other. And then they'll go to somebody else's house and, and those parents will tell us later, Amy and I, man, your, your kids are so kind. They're so great. They're so kind. I'm like, you're talking about my kids, right? Are you sure we got the right kids? Why why do we mistreat our family so easily? Why do we put on the, the brave face with others? Why do we put on something that, that is loving and compassionate with people that are in trouble? But very often we, with, our, with our family, it's difficult. I want to read you a passage in Romans it says, welcome with open arms fellow believers who don't see things the way you do. And don't jump all over them every time they do or say something that you don't agree with. Man, can you believe? It's like, it's like Paul's talking right to us. Even when it seems that they are strong on opinions, <laughs> but weak in the faith department. <laughs> Man, if that doesn't describe our year, I don't know what does. He says, remember, they have their own history to deal with. Treat them gently. I think we've got to treat each other with gentleness, with humility, with kindness. We have to grow in this and we have to reclaim it that this is who we are. We are people of love. We are people who love each other in a way that the world needs to see and witness. Jesus articulates the challenge here in Matthew 22, 36 to 40, he's asked by a young man, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus, of course, replies, the love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, he says. But then, he's, then he adds something to it. He says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This 
is a profound idea. Jesus is equating these two commands and prioritizing them above every other command. I think what Jesus is saying is when we get these two commands right, the rest of the scriptures fall into place. When we get these two things right, when we love God and we love each other, we love people, then the rest of the scriptures begins to fall into place in our lives. If that doesn't prioritize love for you, I'm not sure what will. But what keeps us from loving others well? It's a good question because I think there are many who have trouble loving themselves. You know, that verse we just read says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes we have a terrible self-concept and we have insecurities or we've taken risks with loving others. We've been hurt. We're afraid that others might hurt us. It keeps us from loving. We've suffered abuse maybe or or experienced our own woundedness or disappointment or maybe, maybe there's just a raw selfishness that we've never learned to overcome or pride. There's all kinds of reasons. Listen, in life there will be plenty of opportunities for hurts. Your life is a target rich environment for the devil. Why? Because he, he wants you to stop loving God. He wants to distract you from your life with Jesus. And he's really sneaky about it. See, because these two commandments are intertwined. Love for God and love for people. Notice what John says in his letter in 1 John chapter 4. He says, God is love and all who live in love live in God. And God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. You know, that's good news for you and me. It means that as we live our lives with God, that we learn how to love better and better and better. He says, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live, ooh, get this, we live like Jesus here in this world. Oh, one chapel, please hear me. I think God's calling us to a higher standard in 2021. He's calling us to love in a greater measure. He's calling you and me to be the kind of people that will be notably different in this world because we are willing to love not only the poor, not only the unlovely, not only those who are not like us, but we love each other in a way that is notably different. If you keep going in this passage, verse 18 says, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we're afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love, right? When we are overcome by fear, it reveals that we're not quite done yet. We got more work to do. We got more love that we need to learn about in our lives. We love each other because he loved us first. He's the one who helps us understand what it looks like. Verse 20, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people, we can see. How can we love God whom we cannot see? 
And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. For a long time, I thought that perfect love was God's love for us. And this is what, that's what this passage was talking about. Is God's perfect love getting into us and we gotta figure out how to do that. But I think there's something deeper and more profound in this verse about love than you kind of see at first. That the way we expel fear is not by God's perfect love. Perfect love is not God's love. Perfect love is the love of God that flows through us to others. When the loop is closed, that God loves us and we love him, but then we begin to love others with that same kind of love, something powerful happens. It's perfect. It be, you become complete. There's nothing you have to fear. This verse says, this verse says if, we'll, if we stop loving others, if we stop loving others, we'll stop loving God. In fact, it says if you, if you can't love others, you can't love God. God's love has to flow through us in order to be complete, in order to be perfect. That's what drives out fear. That's what causes insecurities to fall away. This process of loving God and loving people together, don't let the devil sneak around in your life and get you all angry and upset at people around you. We must answer the call to God's love. His love being poured out in our lives and then pouring it out in the people around us. God wants to restore us. And this is maybe the heart of the message as I think that God is trying to restore to us the art of giving and receiving love. That we need to recapture it. That in reality, almost everything in the Christian life, almost everything that we really want to live out comes from this place of love. That we learn how to receive love from God himself and we learn how to give love to others. That it's what we're called to do. It's who we're called to be. This is the secret to every valuable relationship that you and I have. This is what makes us most like Jesus and conforms us to his image. This is what sociologists and, and the people, really, really important people who have studied human behavior, this is what they've found to be true. This will transform our marriages and our families and our friends and our neighbors and even our city if we could love people like this. To learn to be loved and then to love others. You're saying, okay, so I hear you. I can hear the wheels, tur wheels turning. You're looking at me and you're saying, okay, okay, Pastor Ross, I get it, I get it. We gotta love each other. But here's the big question. Do you really know what that even is? Do you know what it looks like? You know, one of the amazing things about God is he gave us the scriptures and he gave them to us over this period of time all these different authors being inspired by the Holy Spirit and there is a chapter in the Bible called the love chapter. And it's the Apostle Paul 
writing to the Corinthian church. And this, this church was messed up. I mean, these guys were suing each other. They were totally immoral in the way they were acting with one another. They mistreated one another uh, when they would come to church and share communion. They, they were selfish. There was just, there was all these terrible things that were going on within the Corinthian church and Paul is talking to them about all these things and he's coaching them in his letter and he gets to this, this one pivotal moment in his letter and he says, look, I wanna show you the best way, I wanna show you the most excellent way in how to live out your faith. And 1 Corinthians 13, verse one through three says, if I speak in the tongue of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gog, gong or a clanging symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, then I am nothing. I want you to see without love, without love we are a really annoying to everybody around us. I don't know, if you have you ever been in, in band? I don't know if you were in, in junior high or high school band and that person who did the cymbals and it was just like they couldn't stop themselves and it was just like the, that sound can be so annoying, just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. You could be really spiritual and you could explain all kinds of prophecies but if you don't have love, you're nothing. This verse says I can have incredible faith and I can move mountains, but if I don't love, then none of it matters. I can give everything to the poor and be really generous, but that doesn't prove that I love people. I can even become a martyr for Jesus, this passage says. I can become a martyr for Jesus, but if I don't have love, none of it matters. Does this make sense to you? Is this coming through today in your own heart? Are you starting to realize how deficient we might be in the way that we really love one another? I hope the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now because he's been speaking to me about this. And there's something so important that we have to embrace here. What does it look like? What does love look like? Thankfully, Paul describes it right here in the, next, in the next few verses. Verse four, I want you to see it right here. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects Think about that. It always protects. It always trusts. Oh, my heart is so convicted. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. This is the kind of love that God is working into our lives. And he wants us to pour it into each other's lives. The vicar of uh, Holy Trinity Brompton um, in London, England is um, Nicky Gumbel. And you might recognize his name from our daily Bible reading. He shares the devotional in the Bible in one year that we read together as a church. And he tells a story of a missionary who encouraged him to put his name 
in place of the word love. So wherever the, the, whatever, wherever the word love shows up, put your name there. And then begin to work on each word until it was true about you and then move on to the next. And so Nikki says, I started the next day and started in the morning with Nikki is patient. He says, 34 years later, I'm still working on that one, (laughs) waiting to go to the next one. There is something that we have to really think through here if we're going to be the kind of people that God wants us to be, the kind of people that will reveal him to the world. Jesus himself gives us a understanding about this. In Luke 6, 27 through 36, this is the final passage I kinda wanna read for you. Because he describes something that's so profound about love. It says, but to you who are willing to listen, I say, love your enemies. Oh, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, offer the other cheek also. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. This is incredible. Give to anyone who asks. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do, unto, do to others as you would like them to do to you. If, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. Whoa, do you see this? What Jesus is saying here, he says, and if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get any credit? Credit, where, does, where do we get the credit? Oh, he's talking about heaven. He's talking about the treasures in heaven. He's talking about credit from him, a reward. Why do you get any reward? Even sinners do that much. Sinners treat each other, you know, the good people, the people they like. Look what he says. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Look at this, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. What is this? What is Jesus saying? Here's what he's saying. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will be truly, you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. And you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. This strikes me. It hits me so hard because this is what Jesus is saying here that when we act this way, when we love our enemies, when we pray for those who hate us, what happens is we reflect, we become children of our Father. We reflect who our Father is. And I know this is challenging on so many levels, but I think we have to come to terms with what Jesus is teaching us about love. I believe he's lifting love above an emotion. He's stretching the definition beyond reason for us. He's challenging us to love with supernatural help because that's the only way it really happens. Supernatural help, help from heaven. That's the only way God's love can really be shared with something supernatural. 
And I say this with great reverence and respect. I want you to see this, that the greatest sign of spiritual maturity is when you are able to love and pray for your enemies. That's how you know what kind of a Christian you are. That's how you know how you treat people on the other side of the aisle from you. Is when you can treat those who have hurt you or those who are your enemies or those who have hated you and you can pray for them, it changes everything. I'm gonna end with quotes from Dr. Martin Luther King. Love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. This is our calling, One Chapel. This is who we are. We are God's people. (laughs) Dr. King says, I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. That is why right, temporarily defeated, is stronger than evil, triumphant. Powerful ideas about what God is calling us to be in this hour. I want you to join me in praying. I want you to join me here. Bow your head, close your eyes, and let's pray together. Father, we just are so convicted by these verses. We're convicted by what you are telling us, and we see how we need to change. We see how we need to respond to you, and so we do. We say, we say Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for being selfish. Forgive us for being self-absorbed. Forgiving us for being consumed by ourselves with our own ideas and with our own ways. Lord, across the spectrum of our congregations today, whether, whether we would call ourselves a Christian or maybe we're just investigating the claims of Jesus, Lord, we wanna tell you that we wanna be people who love others. We're ready for your love to come upon us. We're ready for a baptism of love in our lives. We're ready for you to pour your love out on us in a new way and we expect it, we need it, Lord. We call on you today and say, Lord, save us, rescue us, show us who you really are. Show us how your love actually works. Reveal it to us and then help us to share it with others in a supernatural, powerful way that goes beyond what anybody else could even imagine, make us notably different in this world. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.